next on MLR Weekly, a final count on next year's teams. Chairman Genichi Tamutsuka and Chief Operating Officer Hajime Shoji of the World's Best Professional League, Japan's Rugby League One, plus the latest Major League Rugby news with Rugby Mornings, John Fitzpatrick. Rugby Wrap-Up brought to you in part by Shihi Auto Stores. It's easy at Shihi. The Pig and Whistle, the world's best rugby pub, and Lean and limber, stretching your way to a healthier lifestyle. Hello again, and welcome to this week's MLR Weekly, as presented by Rugby Wrap-Up, Matt McCarthy in New York City. And we've got an enormous show for you this week. We have on the show the chairman of the board and COO, chief operating officer of Japan's Rugby League One. That is the new version of the top league. They've got all the big spending. They're bringing in all those players. But first, we have our MLR weekly recurring segment, Rugby Morning's Coffee Break with John Fitzpatrick. John, let's save the pleasantries. What do you got for us? Hey, Matt, how you doing? Let's start with happy trails. Former England international Chris Robshaw officially retired from professional rugby. Rob Shaw spent two injury-shortened seasons with the San Diego Legion. Happy Trails, not to be confused with Happy Tales, the pet adoption agency that we got Webb Ellis McDouche from. Next! Moving on to player signings, but staying in San Diego, they quickly found a replacement for Rob Shaw by signing Scottish international Blair Cowan. Big it's all Scottish, it's all crap. Next! Let's move over to the Eastern Conference and Rugby ATL. A flurry of re-signings here. They re-signed scrum half Ryan House for two more seasons. They also re-signed Canadian International Center George Barton. And they re-signed utility back Martini Talapusi, who, did you know this, Matt, has his commercial pilot license? I did not know that, but Martini, shaken, not stirred, and not so fast, Talapusi. Next! Oh, that was Scottish. Got it. Staying with Rugby ATL, they have signed a multi-year partnership to return to Silverbacks Park. What do you think of that, Matt? I like it. Will they be changing their name from the Rattlers to the Gorillas? Uh-uh. Oh, okay. No monkey business. But umcha. Next! Let's move on up to Toronto. They have re-signed Canadian international scrum half Ross Brody. Brody, what a great name. What do you think is Broski's think of the re-signing? Next! <laughs> the Utah Warriors, they've re-signed scrum half Zion Going. You could say Zion Going back, back to Utah, Utah. You know, Matt, Tupac Shakur, Biggie Smalls, East Coast versus West Coast rap. Matt, you're a rap connoisseur, aren't you? Peace! Next! And in head coaching vacancy news, New York and D.C. have announced... And they haven't announced any new head coach signings yet. What's the deal there, Matt? Better late than never. Oh, wait, they haven't yet. Next. That's all I got. All right. Well, I got something for you, Rugby Mornings Coffee Break with John Fitzpatrick. How about this? How about 12 teams, L.A. and Austin, both out despite 11th and 12th hour attempts to salvage at least L.A. so that the players could stay there and then the Austin players would just go to Chicago and make everything easy, but oh no, it didn't happen so we got 12 teams thankfully, Chicago is in Uh, they are likely not to be sharing in the ownership of the overall league they're coming in just as a team, so they think that they're going to 
maybe make some coin on their own. If they pay all the capital calls back, and again, this is above my pay grade, ladies and gentlemen, so the details might not be completely accurate, but if they pay all the capital calls that the other owners have paid thus far, then they can share in the league ownership in case a big company like CVC or Silver Lake comes in and buys a chunk. But right now, they don't share ownership in the league. But Chicago, in. And of course, everything that I say right now could change in a second. But that's the nature of the beast here. I think it's great news. What's your take on it, John Fitzpatrick of Rugby Morning's Coffee Break? Yeah, quick take here. Wow, two teams gone, one back in, a balanced schedule, 12 teams, six in each conference. Hey, there's a season in 2023 after all of the the radio silence the past couple of months. You got to think that's good news. And JF, there's also the news that these players from both teams will go into a dispersal draft. But I would think that some of these players are going to say screw that and both specifically after they're not going to get the kind of jack that they were getting if they were taking money under the table. Good point. On that note, finish on a high. Thank you. John Fitzpatrick of Rugby Mornings Coffee Break. We'll be right back with the chairman and COO of Japan's Rugby League One after this. Selling or trading in your vehicle? Sheehy makes it easy. With Easy Trade, start online or visit us in store. We want your vehicle and we'll give you up to 125% of KBB value. It's easy at Sheehy. If you're in New York City and want to watch some great rugby, have some great food, and some great times, go to the world's best rugby pub, The Pig and Whistle, on West 36th Street. Wheels on fire, taking them higher, like Speedy Gonzalez, making you tire. Classy ambition in every position, immense in defense, just like Mum's fence. Tactics, fanatics, hat-tricks, fantastic, there's nowhere to hide from the Welsh side vibe. Football tribe. World Cup pride. Hey, we're back, and we're back with some very, very, very cool, dignified guests on the global rugby scene. None other than Japan League One chairman, Genichi Tamutsuka, and chief operating officer, Hajime Shoji. Gentlemen, I hope I got those those names correct. Welcome to MLR Weekly. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, your, pro- introduction. Uh, your pronunciation is really good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm, I, I'm going to apologize in advance because I know that you're being very gracious, both of you. Gentlemen, I'm very excited to have you on MLR Weekly because your league is what the MLR can become in a couple of three years of hard work and some luck. I have to salute you for what you're doing over with Japan and professional rugby after the World Cup, prior to the World Cup, I had the pleasure of being in Japan a number of times. I wasn't at the World Cup. I was actually on my way there, and then the storm hit. So I, all the flights got canceled, so I had to turn around and go back. But 
Prior to that, I was over there the year before on a, uh, helping um, scout the different stadiums. It was just so impressive. And I've actually played, I actually played many moons ago at the Yokohama Country Club with the New York Rugby Club on a club tour. And I just can't say enough positive things about Japan, the different cities there, and specifically the rugby. You have such a great setup. But I want to get to the tough question first. And I'm going to come at you first again. What do you mm-hmm. say to those out there that say Japan is paying all this money to all these players and ruining the pay scale for other professional setups? What do you say to them? No, I, I don't think so. You know, the, 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 let me explain a little bit background why we started new league called Japan Rugby League One. So as you said, 2019 World Cup was. Uh, you know, biggest experience for us, you know, for Japanese rugby community. You know, not only really heavy rugby fans, but also all over the place, Japanese people, including old people, young ladies, and everybody wearing Japanese, you know, red and white jerseys. And, uh, you know, they really support our World Cup, you know, the, 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 uh, the games. And then we realized, the big potential in this country uh, for you know spreading uh, rugby as a games because maybe you know rugby unique uh, nature for like a uh, you know solidarity respect each other fair play no side you know game after the game you know no side you know those spirits are very similar to Japanese you know original kind of spirits. So we decided, uh, let's really, you know, push uh, for this opportunity. And before that, we had a, a league called Top League, and uh, which mainly is sponsored by a corporation. There happened to be the, the sponsored company, uh, really big, you know, the global company, uh, Century, Canon, NTT, Toyota, Panasonic, those people. Those people have been supporting our teams more than 50 or 60 years. Yeah. A long history. So we change format a little bit. We cannot directly go to the 100% professional you know, the scheme, but the first, first stage, we go like a kind of semi-professional and professional combination hybrid model, and then supported by uh, those people. So, you know, because of the 2019 experience, not only for Japanese people, but also players from the global level, like New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, they had a good experience in Japan. And uh, not only players, but also their families. They feel very comfortable, uh, you know, the, the trading in Japan. So those are the kind of mixed uh, things. Uh, we are not, we don't have any intention paying just a higher salary to, to, to those players and acquire them. We don't have such a, such an intention. I, I, you know, over here, we've got people slamming their fists on the table of over major league rugby, the MLR having all of these foreign players across the teams and saying that that is not helping grow the nation's team. Hi, Jimmy. I wanted to ask you from an operational standpoint, how does it work for you with the foreign slots of players as per the quota per team and Japanese players? Actually, um, we are observing the uh, mutual benefit to have the uh, Japanese and the foreign players in one team. 
and actually foreign players are belong, bring, uh, taking lot, bringing lots of uh, high-level play, also uh, a high culture of rugby uh, to the Japanese team, while uh, Japanese team players are um, um, taking the uh, good culture to them at the Japanese traditional rugby. So I think uh, uh, so far, uh, this kind of diversity management is working quite well. And you you also help these players away from the game in terms of taking care of their families. Can you explain that? Uh, yes. Uh, after World Cup, uh, many foreign players are, are coming to Japan, uh, partially because of, or largely because of their family issues. So families are uh, quite appreciating uh, Japanese uh, safety and uh, a good condition uh, or a good level of uh, their daily life. And uh, actually teams are uh, well taking of their family, like integration to the local community or also support, uh, uh, many, many support for their daily life. So this kind of uh, family caring is I think uh, one of the uh, very important part for foreign players to choose this Japanese market. That the supporting team, supporting com companies uh, to the team is uh, quite global companies. They uh, you know, really get used to handling so-called expatriate you know, management. So uh, they have uh, not only players, but also many employees, you know, many managers, many she-level she, she level, you know, people uh, from foreign countries. So uh, they are really, you know, get used to handling those things. That's, that's another reason. How did the corporations get involved in the rugby teams to begin with? Because you are talking about decades of, of involvement from corporations, right? I mean, I was over there and I saw Todd Clever, who was Team USA's star, play with George Gregan for the Suntory Goliath when Eddie Jones was coaching them. And I, I coincidentally, I had just been in Japan when they were playing in the championship match and won that year. And I went to that match, spectacular setting, great, great venue, easy to get to, filled stadium. And this is long before the World Cup was even on the radar. And you had a, a George Gregan and Todd Clever loving every minute of it. You had other international players, of course, across the board. Suntory, this is a big global company. How did how did they how and why did that happen? I think the uh, the, the origin of the rugby uh, Japan that was more than hundred years ago, and uh, you know part of the reason the same as my understanding. Standing originally started in, in England, 18th centuries. That the, the part of the purpose is kind of educational tool uh, to create, you know, really great great leadership who has very strong physical strong strongness, but also has you know really great spirit, a fair play song. So uh, Japan really you know uh, get that message, and that many company utilize rugby as a tool for educational tool for the human capital development or leadership development. So uh, many of the, uh, you know, my friends at the big corporation level, she level people, 
you know, a long time ago, they played rugby at the Toyota, they played rugby at the Panasonic. There are so many people there. So, you know, that's a kind of origin. So we are now slowly moving forward more, you know, entertainment, more professionally, how we can, you know, excite, ex improve the excitement of the games, how we can improve the financial situation uh, for the, you know, each teams, so on. But the origin of the rugby, why they are doing rugby, why they are investing in rugby is a part of the, uh, the, the investment for the human capital. Yeah, actually, before World Cup, uh, as Gen mentioned, uh, many players, uh, many corporations are having the team, but uh, most of the players are just belonging to the corporation as employees. So therefore, 100% employees team. That's the quite traditional style. But now f half is uh, professional and half is still at employees level. Uh, and so this is a current uh, hybrid format, as Gen explained. And in that, uh, basically, um, uh, at the players' uh, condition, uh, aside from salary, totally same, and totally same condition. But uh, uh, just for the salary, professional, it, uh, uh, their salary is coming from rugby itself, while uh, uh, employees, uh, players, are uh, having the salary level as employees. However, uh, for them, after their rugby life, their second career is secured at the uh, corporation level. And in fact, uh, many management level or even executive level uh, for those teams is coming from rugby. Because as again mentioned, uh, rugby is kind of the symbol of teamwork or leadership. And corporations are highly appreciating uh, this uniqueness of rugby. And as a result, uh, many ex-rugby employees are, are playing a very important role in their cooperation as their second career. So that's the current situation. We're, we're talking salary, right? And over here in the United States, Major League Rugby, I'm sure you guys are aware with it, aware of it. We've had two teams disqualify in the last week of the season last year in the regular season, and they were leading the Western Division in the playoff hunt. So they would have qualified, but they were disqualified for alleged skirting of the salary cap we have a salary cap here right and the, the players aren't getting a lot of money but this is the first go at professional right where second go we had one iteration in 2016 for a year but now this is the you know this is a go this team this league just finished its fifth season it survived covid like you guys had to deal with covid you know all about that but what is your salary cap situation do you have one how do you how do you how do you sheriff it so to speak so we, we don't have salary cap system. Instead, uh, we have the, as a league, we have the cross communication with the team, how to realize the uh, stable uh, financial condition, including the salary. And uh, so uh, at the first still first season, it's on progress. However, so far, this kind of uh, uh, self salary management is working quite well because uh, uh, as again mentioned, still uh, teams are working closely with the parent company as a corporation, and they are uh, having a good interest in managing the good salary level. So therefore, communication between teams and uh, parent company supported by league, it's working quite well to manage the good salary level. 
uh, with uh, stable financial condition. Uh, we, we do not have salary cap, but uh, I think the, what we are doing is the, we give them kind of the, 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 the guideline for the uh, as a total salary uh, for the players for each team. So it's up to them what kind of portfolio of the players they're gonna they're gonna create. You know, so they cannot create all you know really high paid people. So they combined with corporate employee level, you know, players together with the uh, global players. So those are the things we are now doing. We don't have the uh, clear salary cap, but we have to definitely control the, the, the spending for that to the healthy you know, uh, financial situation. So we are doing that. And, yeah. and you see, gents, you, you have like the English Premiership, for instance, two teams that have gone into administration or bankruptcy, and that is Worcester and Wasps. And you, you have different, you had the London Irish owner actually say sort of tongue in cheek that he would give the team away if it was guaranteed that they would stay where they are. And now there was talk about merging with another squad. So it's, you know, you've got problems over of, of all over in professional rugby, South Africa, the stadiums are empty. The URC, they're trying to figure out how to get all this going with the, with, with TV rights deals and filling the stadiums. And it, it kind of has to happen organically. And it has where you guys are. It's happened organically. And I was over in England in 2015 when you knocked off South Africa. And I thought that was a stunner, right? But now you beat Ireland. You guys are succeeding. Others aren't. And maybe one day we'll have across like uh, a Heineken cup kind of competition across the globe. What are your thoughts on that again? I don't think we are so successful, you know, the, the each team, you know, Southern hemisphere, New Zealand, Australia, and, uh, you know, England, everybody, you know, improving their performance and they are, you know, getting really strong. We are, you know, uh, the, the, we have the game this coming Saturday, uh, all blacks and uh, in Japan. So, uh, you know, we see uh, what's kind of the the, the, the game uh, we can we can play. But so, but uh, we our aim is to we want to bring back World Cup again to Japan in the sometimes future near future. To do that, we have to have a very strong Japanese team. To make strong Japanese team, we need really high level of the uh, the, the competition, high level of the game quality. To realize that we need some of the really you know top level players, they play together with Japanese oriented players. So this is the only way we can push up the level of the competition. And then we have to consider like a cross border competition. You know, uh, you know, always we can compete with really top level of the, 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 the teams. Uh, so those are the kind of things we have we, we got to do we, we're still you know every team has been improving especially this this past two three years it's amazing so we have to catch up yeah we have to go into the at least like a rank a seven six rank five so on you know we have to continuously improve the national team is one thing but the professional game is another across the globe do, we, do you think maybe we're, we're kind of come upon the, the time where maybe it's um, your league plays against the MLR 
Uh, yes. Um, basically, we have several aspirations to increase our global presence. And the first thing is the cross-border match between uh, the uh, champion of our league and the champion of other league. And because uh, uh, other leagues are highly appreciating the, our format or our popularity here in Japanese market, so therefore, I think uh, uh, in the near future, a cross-border match should be realized. So that's the first one. And also, uh, we are positioned in Asia. And uh, th this is a quite uh, a new market for rugby. And uh, so therefore, uh, uh, after um, evolving further uh, as our league, uh, we have a chance uh, to expand our system uh, even in this newly developing market. So our hybrid system or I, our uh, development system and others should be uh, uh, bringing the good things to this kind of new market. So therefore, or in these two aspects, uh, our aspiration is to be a leader of rugby in Asian market. As, as Hajime mentioned, the, the, we are very, our unique positioning in Asia, central, center of the Asia. And, uh, you know, two things. Our time, time, Asia Pacific time zone in the Southern Hemisphere, there's New Zealand, Australia, Samoa, Fiji, you know, there are many, you know, also the population itself is not that big. However, many great players in terms of rugby. That's a, one very uniqueness. The other thing is the, many people mentioned after 2030, 2035, 60%, 70% of growth coming from Asia Pacific. So uh, we have the potential audience in China, Southeast Asia, many population. You know, they are willing to see exciting, you know, sports entertainment contents. So how we can, you know, capture those uh, the people as a potential, you know, audience in terms of broadcasting, in terms of the, you know, you know the farm basis song, and then we create some of the really great players. You know, originally from China, originally from Korea, originally from India, so on. And then if create a very, very great star players, you know, their home country people started watching that game. So those are the kind of business opportunity. So uh, we should really leverage the, 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 our unique positioning. In, in, we are we are situated in a central center of Asia Pacific. On the other hand, there's so many discussion going on in terms of the World Cup level world championship for the club, probably including European continent, maybe MLR in United States continent, all those continent. This is exciting too. This is exciting too. So uh, we see the both you know options. This is not A or B things. We're gonna chase A and B. <laughs> and then you know we have to really consider carefully about the, like a calendar, seasonality song, you know, how we can match uh, those each country's you know, season and the, the, the calendars. This is a really tough one. But uh, what, do you, what do you think about the global calendar? Oh, global calendar is very important uh, to develop the uh, national team further. And actually, uh, we have the um, living with this uh, global calendar together. H however, on the other hand, as a league, uh, in some seasons, even with the uh, uh, players belonging to the without players belonging to the national team, 
uh, I think the league is uh, running quite well because uh, currently basis of uh, Japan rugby is higher. So therefore, uh, without uh, uh, national players, I think the attractiveness of uh, uh, our league should be kept. So on that, I think uh, uh, we can have more games uh, to uh, while living with the global uh, calendar. Yeah, it's a that's a that's a hot topic across the planet, isn't it? The global rugby calendar, and you know, you got some that are very very uh, opinionated on it on both sides of that. And I'm like, you got it. We got to come together. We got to come together and figure it out. And we can. We can absolutely figure it out. I'm pretty positive. You know, it's been a pleasure talking to you guys. I've been over there a number of times. I would, if I was a player, I would move in a second. In a <laughs> second, I'd be there. I've had so much fun. The infrastructure is so great. You can take train. It's easy to get around the country. The people are all nice. It's spectacular, you know, in terms of scenery and everything else. The, the train system is is one of my favorite aspects. Thank you. Just, Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's just great. But I got I got I got a conundrum. If if I'm not mistaken, again, you played for Singapore, right? Yeah, yeah. A long time. So wouldn't that make you an international, and we'd have to treat you as an international slot in this league? <laughs> so uh, when I was 27 years old, I was I was dispatched at the Singapore uh, the, the company where, where I was working, and I played at the you know, Singapore national team. Singapore national team necessarily so strong, but uh, <laughs> I played so many times Hong Kong sevens, you know, and the 15. That is awesome. <laughs> yeah, that, that is awesome. Well. Gentlemen, on that note, we are out of time. Chairman Genichi Tamutsuka-san and COO Hajime Shoji-san, arigato. Thank you very much, Matt. Arigato Thank, you. Thank you very much, Matt, for this Thank great opportunity. Pleasure's been mine, gentlemen. I'd also like to thank John Fitzpatrick of Rugby Morning and thank you for tuning in ladies and gentlemen please be sure to check out our other shows including the Rugby Odds and our College Rugby Wrap Up hit that subscribe button on YouTube sign up for our weekly newsletter and please join our American Red Cross blood donor team